the Money Minutes. Today, part two of my suggestion that Australia's financial advice model is broken. There's been plenty of feedback. I'll go through your comments and explain why best intentions have left a worse outcome. It's great to have your company for another episode of the Money Minutes. Now, look, it might have been the headline, why financial advice in Australia is, well, the word was fucked that I used. Maybe that's the reason it got so much attention. But look, in my opinion, it is. And not just because of past practices by unethical and greedy advisors. That's part of it. But also the fund managers, banks and insurance companies who use so-called advisors as their distribution model and made billions of dollars as a result. But the advice model in Australia has also now been broken by regulators and government who decided to impose onerous rules on an essential industry without truly understanding what the new business model should be. So this is a follow-up from a commentary and interview with the leading independent actuary, Michael Rice, in the previous episode. If you want to go back, you can listen to that as well. Now, just to recap, Michael is not only the, the founder of Rice Warner, independent actuary, he's also the co-author of a substantial report looking at the financial planning model in Australia. That paper was commissioned by the Financial Services Council. Its members include Australia's funds management businesses, superannuation funds, life insurance companies, and financial advisory networks. The paper also argues that a new business model for financial planning needs to be created to make advice available to lower and middle income earners. And that's the absolute key. Because right now, there is no model. The regulations imposed on the industry mean that, say, for a typical full-service advice, it could cost a family well, somewhere between three dollars and $5,000 just to start. And that's money that many people simply don't have, or they'll choose not to spend it that way when there are other financial pressures in their lives, such as mortgages, health costs, or sending their kids to school. Now, by the way, that full report is available on the Financial Services Council's website. It's under its Resources tab, and then Research reports and publications, and you'll find it there. So first things first, I think that all people at key times in their lives need professional assistance in setting up their financial affairs. This includes wills, life insurance, loan structuring, maybe business or small business structures, tax planning, and eventually investing. The problem with the so-called financial planning industry as it was is that it started out as an investment advice model. And the joint beneficiaries of that money that flowed with the advisors paid a slice of the money put in and another slice as long as the money stayed there. So these were the trailing commissions and the upfront commissions. And also the banks and the fund managers who similarly were paid at the slice of the money. An asset management fee it was called. And you can see why things are wrong in this country by the fees we pay on superannuation. It's around $30 billion a year and growing each and every year as that pot gets bigger. As a proportion of assets, many studies have identified the fees we pay are among the highest in the world. Now, just to give you some idea of this, Australia represents 0.3% of the world's population. Australia says our economy is the 14th largest in the world. But according to Willis Towers Watson's Global Pension Survey, Australia's superannuation system is the fourth biggest in the world. Now, if you're a funds manager or in the old days a financial advisor who was making a cut of that money that compounds each and every year the stock market or property market goes up, and also remember it's a compulsory scheme so more money is put in every year, it's a one-way rolled gold streak to a fortune. $30 billion in fees, remember. Now, just as a reference, in the last financial year, 
The government spent $33 billion on our national defence, $39 billion on education. But we spent $30 billion getting our superannuation basically looked after. Just saying. That's the comparison. Now, to keep that compounding fortune rolling in for funds managers, superannuation managers, and previously investment advisors, because remember, as the investments grow, so does the money in the pot, so therefore so does the money that gets taken out of the pot, all an investment manager really has to do is not stuff things up too badly. And they also have to be able to tell a pretty good story if things do go wrong. Now, I know this from first-hand experience as the chairman of the investment committee of an industry superannuation fund. I've seen and heard it all, I've got to tell you. Average performance tends to keep the money rolling in, or at least keeps it in place. So the game of collecting those compound fees goes on and on. And for individuals with their money in place, well, average performance tends not to raise too many eyebrows. But it's not good for our community that the fees are so high, or that our compulsory superannuation system is seen just as an easy honeypot for fund managers, administrators, lawyers, and marketers from all around the world. All the big ones are here, and they're all chasing those fees. Ultimately, it's the well-being of Australians in retirement that's affected by these fees, and it would not be justified in Europe, Japan, or in the United States. Take a study of Superfund by the regulator APRA last year. It was trying to identify underperforming and high-fee funds. It estimated there was a 6 percentage points difference in performance between the top and the bottom funds. The top had average five-year rolling returns of around 10% a year. The bottom returned just an average 3.5%. The fee difference was just as staggering. The cheapest, 0.3% a year. The highest, 2% a year. Now just ask yourself, which advisor would deliberately put a person in a high-fee, low-performing superannuation fund and just leave them there? Well, maybe not so much now because of the change in the laws, but in the past a person paid by a company to leave the poor, unsuspecting individual in that fund. That's who. And there are plenty of people who to this day remain in those underperforming funds. Remember the whole Royal Commission, fees for no service, all that stuff. Anyway, I've had a rant about this. So let's go to your feedback as well. And I'll start with Gary. So all sorts of people have come through Twitter and LinkedIn and all sorts of places. This is Gary Donahue, And he said, I really like this episode. I think schools should teach more basic economics for children to get a better understanding of money and in turn get a good or better start to adulthood, financially speaking. The only problem of this I would suggest to you is the system's currently set up. that most kids come out of tertiary education with massive hex debts. And so once they hit a certain income level, they have to start paying back that debt. A lot of them in the past, maybe less now, have also got big credit card bills. And that can't be a good way. So the real issue we've got with young people going out into the workforce is most of them already are saddled with a pretty significant debt. Let's keep on going. Matty from Sales, this is Matt Wallace, says, thousands have left the industry, the financial planning industry that is. In some cases, that might be a good thing. Less than 100, though, have joined the industry. Advisors currently are under the scope of a range of different regulators, ASIC, the Australian Financial Complaints Authority, range of others he mentions as well. But Matty also makes a good point. He says, not to mention personal indemnity insurers who simply don't want to be in the market. So in other words, how does an advisor protect themselves against giving poor advice that they get sued for if they can't get insurance? He says that's how, well, the word I used, fucked. It really is. And he goes on and says, 
It's about time someone outside the industry has noticed. We're screaming on the inside and no one is listening. One of the big points about that is if not a lot of people are going into the financial planning industry because it's too hard or indeed the legal obligations are too great. Well, that's not a good thing when people need advice. Now, Aaron uh, tells me you should check out the latest from ASIC in its case against Westpac. It's now going to the High Court. Now, if ASIC gets its way, they will have limited scope general advice dead and buried for the industry. So that particular case is really all about ASIC and Westpac that's gone back quite some time through the federal court. Now, I'll just explain it to you with the help of Herbert Smith Freehills, who wrote a very good piece about this just a short time ago. Effectively, what's happened is there's been a decision made by a judge in regards to Westpac wishing to move customers who were in a Westpac superannuation fund into a BT Funds Management superannuation fund. Now, effectively, they got their call centre to make the calls to the people to say, we're going to move you across into this new fund, and that's how it went. Now, originally, the first judge involved actually came down on the side of Westpac by Justice Gleeson, but that was appealed, went to the full federal court, and as a result, unanimously, three separate judgment, it found that Westpac did indeed provide personal advice during the marketing campaign. Well, now Westpac has taken this to the high court. And the whole idea about this is, is financial product advice being provided? Is a financial product advice which is being provided either general advice or personal advice? And so now the whole industry is awaiting the decision of that case in the high court to work out what is general advice and what is individual personal advice, especially when it comes to to the marketing type arrangements. So that's an interesting one. And certainly we will, Aaron, keep a very close eye on that one. Um, Daz says, look, the future of financial advice, I think, is called podcasts, books and YouTube. Free content, just like yours and Real Vision. It's powerful. And of course, as I've always said, I think a good financial planner provides the information to allow a person to make and be responsible for their own decisions. There are no gurus. That's what I sort of said in that uh, first podcast. Paul, who's known as that Wall Street guy, he says, look, I got into financial advice years ago to help a large cohort, young families and 20-somethings. Now, to be honest, it now costs money for this group of people if I'm to give them advice. It doesn't make money. Now, as you mentioned, I consider my competition to be financial educational firms more than other advisor firms. Interesting stuff from Paul. Thank you so much for that one. Uh, Plenty of other people. Paul Scott uh, sends a note. Couldn't agree more, Ross. This has been an issue for some time. John Winter, actually, we'll get him onto this podcast very shortly, the Chief Executive at ARETA, the Australian Restructuring Insolvency and Turnaround Association. So all of those administrators and liquidators out there, he says, this is spot on, Ross, because we see it all when it goes wrong. Nick sent me a note. And he says, it's not just cheaper advice. Why a property spruik is not subject to the same ASIC scrutiny as other investment advisors. It's true enough when people really do make very big decisions about buying property. And Chris Russell says, I don't understand, despite those things made it harder, financial advisors to keep costs down, the time spent studying, research, compliance and jumping through hoops. There are just advisors leaving the game because of it. And interestingly, Patrick Canyon says, the irony being, of course, that most of the, I'm going to use the word again, fuckedness that he says, 
came from the efforts to fix it by politicians, regulators and unions, all of whom ignore the warnings by practitioners that they were really fucking it at the time. There you go. Excuse the language, by the way. Uh, And Russell finally comes in, and he's a financial advisor, been around for a long time, Russell Medcraft. Uh, I love your French, Ross, but yes, it has been fucked for quite some time. The Royal Commission, like a lot of these well-intentioned inquiries, only forces creative thinkers and problem solvers into hiding. All those good ideas come from people who have never given advice or managed clients' dreams and expectations. I've been doing this for 38 years and nothing has changed. We had vertical integration from AMP and the banks. Now we have it from industry funds. And now we have a Muppet opposition spokesperson that wants to ban commission on insurance. Let me tell you from experience, you can't charge a fee for insurance advice. We did. It doesn't work. Why? Because in the first year, you rebate the commission and they pay a fee. And the second year, the client has got a cheaper commission, free product, and it's time to review. Are they going to pay you a fee to review their cover and the suitability of their product? No is the answer. The same applies to superannuation advice. All these people in unsuitable industry funds with inadequate insurance arrangements and poor performing my super investments in unlisted in-house funds. Final word, the press have not been kind to the industry as well and will have a lot to answer for. So there you go. There's some of the comments that I picked up after that conversation about financial advice in Australia. It's a vexed issue. It's not fixed. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. And many people are falling through the cracks to their significant detriment. Anyway, that's it for the Money Minutes for this episode. Please, I'd love to get your feedback via Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, lots of people coming through as well. Thanks for taking the time to listen. You can give us your feedback also through your favourite podcast app on Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course now Amazon as well. This has been a Talent Corp production. I'm Ross Greenwood, and these are the Money Minutes. Money Minutes.